Welcome to the Carnivore Cast, a podcast focused on the carnivore diet and lifestyle, with practical advice from successful carnivores, citizen scientists, and top researchers. I'm your host, Scott Meslinski, and I'm here to speak with experts and experienced carnivores to get answers to your biggest and meatiest questions while helping you live your best life as a carnivore. This episode is brought to you by LMNT Electrolytes. This month, we're switching it up with an exclusive offer that's only for VIP LMNT partners, including Carnivore Cast listeners. You can now receive this free sample pack along with any regular purchase when you use my custom link, which is provided in the show notes or my Instagram link in bio. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash carnivorecast, all one word. And as I said, I'll include the link in the show notes. LMNT electrolytes are convenient, evidence-based, and delicious. And get yours today to help support the show. Thank you. James Lehman at the underscore carnivorous is a 50-year-old who is born, lives, and works in the beautiful island of Bermuda with his wife, Gabby. James is here today to share with us his journey from being vegetarian for decades to strict plant-based vegan for five years, most recently as an animal-based carnivore. He's endured multiple hospitalizations, autoimmune issues, anxiety, depression, and many other health problems before coming to this way of eating. Welcome to the show, James. Scott, what an absolute honor it is to be talking to you today, man. I've I've been really looking forward to this. Um, I mentioned quickly before we started recording, but Carnivore Cast for me was one of the things that really helped me during my journey. I, I would describe you and your show as a light in a very dark tunnel in my beginning stages. So thanks again for all that you've done. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm honored. Um, and I'm I'm really grateful for people like you making the show possible. Um, both both listeners and guests. Um, so thank you so much. Sure. Um, I, I'll, I'll start with a little bit of a fun question before we get into your background. How did you end up in Bermuda? I was actually born and raised here. Um, my mom is Bermudian uh, by birth. And my dad is Canadian. So they met when they were very young and the rest, as they say, is history. It's a beautiful place to uh, be, be from and to grow up, uh, albeit very expensive on an island to live because we have to import everything. Yeah, it's it's crazy the like economics of islands sometimes. I remember even when I went to Iceland, um some of the vegetables were extraordinarily expensive. Um and it it makes sense they have to they have to import everything and especially when it's a smaller place, you know, we import a lot of this stuff in the US, but there's global supply chains built around it. I think it's a lot different with an island. Yeah, we're 21, 21 miles long and one mile wide at our widest point. And there's wow. sixty there's sixty thousand people here, as I said on another show, clinging to a rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we're lucky, Scott, in that we have arable land that's protected by the government here. So we have some farming and we have a couple of small dairy farms and um, a couple of small hen farms for uh, fresh eggs. But other than that, yeah, it's very small. We have to import everything. I mean, international business and tourism are two main pillars here of industry. Yeah, makes sense. And so tell me about your story. You know, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, walk us through your health journey, the long version, please. Sure. So, you know, coming from Bermuda, uh, I grew up, I'm now, as you mentioned in, in the intro, I'm 50 years old. I was born in 1972. Um, I had a very great upbringing here. I had my schooling uh, young age here in Bermuda. And uh, we ate uh, pretty much a sort of a standard American diet. And as you probably know, and the 
the food pyramid and the American U.S. guidelines, the, the Bermuda would followed it very closely. So 1972, and especially as I got, got older, when the guidelines were released in 77, George McGovern and all that fun stuff, um, my parents and maybe your parents as well changed their eating habits a little. I mean, my mom was and still continues to be a vegetarian. She doesn't eat any meat at all, albeit she does eat eggs and some dairy products. And, uh, you know, we ate some meat because my father did, but primarily we ate a lot of vegetarian pasta dishes, rice, and I can't believe it's not butter, which I still can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> and um, Pop-Tarts. Had a lot of that growing up. <laughs> oh yeah, Pop-Tarts and, and cereals, Kellogg cereals when I was younger. I ended up going off to boarding school in Canada because as I mentioned, my dad's Canadian. So uh, the fees for tuition were a lot less expensive. And when I was away in school, I got into sports quite heavily. I did crew, I think, as, as you did. So we say you share that interest. Yeah. Eight years. <laughs> yeah. And I did a few years. We ended up wearing, winning the Ontario championships in the eight. I was the number seven in the eight. Uh, oh, boat. wow. Yeah. yeah. Canada is very serious about their rowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was it was a phenomenal time for me because I ended up eating a lot differently as well. And I'll come back to that a little later, but going to boarding school and just, you know, you basically have to eat what they give you in the food hall. And it was a lot of meat at the time, and I, I thrived. I played basketball, did crew. Uh, later on, after university, I stayed for my university career in Canada. I met a young lady, and I'm going back now to the early uh, 90s. And she, at the time, was also vegetarian, which was pretty admirable of her because at that time, there wasn't a lot of vegetarian stuff out there, really. I mean, there was some, but it wasn't very, very widely uh, utilized by a lot of people. And, you know, I ended up switching my diet because it was just easier. We were dating at the time and living together. And I just went full vegetarian for a while. And what I should have, have noticed is that, you know, my health started to change a little bit at that time. I, of course, you don't, you know, you just say, oh, yeah, I got sick and whatever. I felt didn't feel well. But um, we from there... You know, I came back to Bermuda after my university career. I ended up adding back in some fish. So I was more pescatarian for a while and, you know, but stayed in that sort of pescatarian vegetarian state for decades afterwards. And what happened was, is that I think progressively, and I think fish and, and, and the eggs held me for a while, but I started to notice things changing in terms of my health. Um, I had a couple of episodes where, I fainted and gave myself concussions. My blood pressure was really low. Um, I just was putting on a lot of weight, which I hadn't done when I was very physically active. Um, I mean, when you come out of university and you're in your working career, as you know, it, it can get pretty hectic, but I had always enjoyed a pretty active uh, physical life. And I ended up, you know, being quite sickly for a while. Um, I just didn't look or feel well. Uh, I ended up meeting my wife and we basically, she, she adhered as I did in the past to my diet a little bit and found out that she, she's from Venezuela originally where they ate a lot of meat. And she found out that that going away uh, for her helped her a little bit. And she started looking further into going completely vegan. And uh, that was sort of the start or beginning of the end in, of what, in terms of how bad my health was going to become. And I'll get into that a little bit. Um, but 
essentially we fell hook, line, and sinker for all the sort of propaganda-based films, as many, many people did, you know, Game Changers, Forks Over Knives, Cowspiracy, things of that nature. We, we watched those and we thought, all right, we only have a few more animal foods in our diet. We can eliminate those. We're going to feel healthier. Our mindset was we're going to be doing better for the planet. And our, our health should be, according to these films, should be fantastic after this. And I'm going to pause right after this, Scott, to give you a chance to speak. But I will be, tell you in an honest moment, for a while it was. My health did get better, for sure. Why do you think that was? Why do you think it got better? I think that as a vegetarian, pescatarian, I had incorporated a lot of processed foods. A lot of seed oil laden stuff, a lot of convenient microwave meals back in the day. Uh, I was, you know, fresh in the working world and in, in the insurance industry back then. There was a uh, a lot of um, partying and, you know, you, you get, get some money when you're younger and you hang out with your buds on a Friday evening. But, you know, I also had increased my, my drinking at the time, which wasn't a good thing. And I think when you go vegan and you change your diet, you know, there's that sort of ideology that you're, you know, you're going to do better by yourself all around, not only in terms of your diet, but your health. I started exercising again and yeah, I, I felt better. And I think it's primarily from eliminating a lot of those toxic foods, the processed stuff that I had eaten in the past. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And thanks for sharing um, your story as well. Um, it's incredible how long you uh, endured it. Um, but yeah, I think that's a big reason that one of many reasons, <laughs> some of which you also noted, like the documentaries and, and the um, sort of pop culture and virtue signaling are common reasons that veganism persists. But I think another is just that initial feeling is enough to hook you, you know, oh, people yeah. are addicted to immediate results. And um, if you can do vegan for 30 days and you're otherwise eating a bunch of processed food, like you are probably going to feel better, especially if you change other lifestyle habits around it and you become part of this community, you know, you're like, oh, I'm part of something now. All of that plays into it. It's, it's really interesting. This episode is brought to you by Optimal Carnivore. Many people I talk to struggle to get enough organ meat on a carnivore diet. There's debate about whether you need to eat organs or not but I like to supplement with organ meats and it makes me feel better and many carnivores would agree. Optimal Carnivore was created by carnivores for carnivores. In fact, I was consulted during the formulation, which is pretty cool. Um, they have a unique organ complex that combines nine different organs, liver, brain, heart, and more, um, all from grass-fed, grass-finished animals in New Zealand. And taking six capsules a day is the same as eating an ounce of raw liver. Um, and it's it's completely freeze-dried, and they use a very high-quality process to retain all the nutrients. You can use the link in the episode description or um, the link in my Instagram bio and use the code CARNWARE10 to save a checkout and support the show. Thank you. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. I think for the first couple of years, we, we sort of thrived. And, and I've mentioned before, but my wife actually got certified as a plant-based chef and still has that certification, cert, excuse me, certification. And, you know, a lot of that looking back now, Scott, is that the, when I became and added animal foods back into my diet was that, oh, you clearly weren't doing the vegan diet right to have to do that. Now, I get that a lot now because I'm quite open and honest about my journey. So people know that I was a vegetarian, pescatarian to vegan and now um, mostly animal-based carnivore. 
And they say, you must not have been doing it correctly. And I can, I tell people, I can pretty much assure you, we were doing it really, really well. We were eating whole foods, plant-based. I basically had restaurant quality dishes for every meal from my wife. I mean, it was un- unbelievable. I look back at some of the pictures that she had to take for her to get a certification and they were like Michelin star dishes I was getting. And, but little did I know at the time that it was just ripping my insides to shreds. Um, and as I say, by that second or third year, I started to notice some things changing. Yeah. And how did it progress from there? Um, it started with the brain fog. I remember sitting at my job one day and going, I, I, mem- I, I can't remember what I was planning to do here. And that was unlike me. I was like, what, how did I get here? And it's just my, my, the brain fog was unrelenting for a while. And I felt really sick and had gone to the doctors because um, I was getting sort of very cold in my extremities. Um, I remember recalled even sitting there and just in the middle of summer wrapped up in almost a parka because I was shivering all the time. We had tested, I had gone into um, sort of Hashimoto's type symptoms. My skin and nails started just drying out. Uh, My hair was falling out. But the real thing that came uh, for me was uh, the severe constipation. Um, it was just awful, just awful. Um, I couldn't figure out because of all the fiber I was packing in in my diet, what was going on? How could this be happening? And with the constipation, then came blood in my stools, which really, really got me nervous. Um, that that scared the the life out of me for sure. Yeah, that's that's incredibly frightening and. Um, what did you do? Like, what were you, were you still like, this is, I have to be doing something right. Or like, what was going through your head at that point? It's a great question, Scott. And that's it. Um, I thought there couldn't be any other way than the vegan diet. I mean, this was the most healthy diet you could possibly eat. We had been told this, this is, this is the ultimate where our body should be absorbing all this stuff, you know? I never thought it could be the diet. So what did I do? I delved down even further at like a like the stubborn male that I am and said, I'm going to go even harder at this. And I found this doctor online who um, allegedly had cured her autoimmune uh, issues with these smoothies. And these smoothies included two bags of kale, a bag of spinach, uh, chia seeds, and kiwi fruit all blended up and use that for three meals of your day. And I drank those every day, three meals straight. And it made things so incredibly worse. Uh, the bleeding increased, my go- bloating and gas increased. And no matter what I did, uh, Scott, even after I started adding other foods back in, I couldn't stop losing weight. I ended up being 128 pounds at six foot two and bedridden, wow. bedridden with fatigue. Um, and I, cu- I couldn't get out of bed. I, I ended up um, losing my job when the pandemic hit. This was all happening around the pandemic. And in some ways, it was a blessing because I couldn't have even worked in an honest moment with you, Scott. I couldn't have. I was wow. just really, really in bad shape. That's so scary. And what was your wife thinking? Uh, she was terrified for me and wondering what was going on. Um, I became severely depressed. My anxiety was through the roof. Um, as you can imagine, not only was I scared for myself, but I was scare for my family who was watching this looking like a scarecrow uh, as I did at the time and trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Um, And 
with losing my job, I lost my insurance. So I was scared if I end up being hospitalized, which I had been a few times before, just before um, with the, the bleeding out of the bowels, we were trying to test to see if I had severe ulcerative colitis uh, from my GP. But of course, when COVID hit, they shut down the small hospital we have here to make way for mm. patients and stopped elective surgery. So I couldn't do it anyhow. And then I lost the insurance that I couldn't afford to do it. So I had to figure all this stuff out on my own. So what happened next? Like, where'd you go from there? It sounds like you were at the bottom at this point. <laughs> I was. I was basically bed bound and scared and not thinking straight and angry and depressed and ang anxious and not sleeping. I think I slept for almost a year, maybe three hours a night. It was, I, I just couldn't. I was in so much pain from my body, the fibromyalgia, the the anxiety, uh, the lack of the ability to clear the toxins from being able to go to the bathroom. Um, I, I had to help in other ways, um, which was not fun because it would just be filled with blood after I did. So I was really scared. My wife, God bless her, was a very patient woman and, <laughs> and stuck with me. Um, she, she suggested to me to go online and listen to podcasts. I had never listened to podcasts before, um, before I got ill most recently. And that's how I end up I ended up finding on YouTube Sally Norton in the first instance and her presentation on YouTube called Lost Seasonality and the Overconsumption of Plants. And what that did was opened up the possibility that I could have been doing this all wrong. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. How did you how did you end up there? <laughs> um I was just typing in anything because I was like uh, typing in YouTube uh, Plants, are they harmful? Or can they cause these symptoms in the body? And that presentation came up and I must have watched it three times because I was so brain fogged. I was like, this, this can't, what I'm hearing can't be right. Okay. So <laughs> what she's suggesting is that we have bred plants out of season and over consuming them in the grocery stores now because ancestrally we used to eat plants when they were only were in season and not in the quantities we are now. And I started to think to myself, man. And then I started to ask myself, okay, so what are these defense chemicals in plants and oxalates, as you know, Sally, who's an expert in, I was eating the most toxic oxalate bombs there are. I mean, when you heard what I just described in my smoothies, I forgot to mention that included three teaspoons of turmeric as well, which is one of the highest oxalate spices. And yeah. it was, it was literally ripping my guts to pieces. Wow. And wh where did you go from there? Did you seek out more podcasts, more information, or, or how did you start moving in a different direction? This is where God bless the gentleman I'm staring right in the screen at now <laughs> comes into play. I searched Sally Norton on every platform I could find. And the first one I found was your interview you did with her in 2019, Scott, on Carnivore Cast. And it was transformational for me because it reaffirmed what I learned in that first presentation. But then I went back and I listened to every single Carnivore Cast episode there ever was from the beginning. And I start to realize that maybe if I start to not only one, lower the oxalate foods that I was consuming, but add animal foods back into my diet, I could see a way out of it. There was a light and you were, as I mentioned before, you were a light in my very dark tunnel at that time, my friend. Thank you. I'm, I'm about to break down in tears. This uh, is uh, me too. I, um, <laughs> I do get a little emotional, excuse me, with this discussion because it... It was such an emotional journey for me because I felt alone and having the carnivore cast and listening to it 
on a daily basis, just I, I can recall sitting in the bed and laying there and every day just plugging in my headphones in the morning and and listening and just learning, writing down what little I could and um, just going from there. And, you know, I've been asked before, was there a lot of uh, cognitive dissonance when I came back to adding animal foods in my diet as a vegan? And I can say that yes and no. Yes, in that I still care, Scott, to this day about how animals are treated. Um, that hasn't left me. I mean, those in, the, the videos of those that I think anyone who treat, mistreats animals is not a very good human being. However, when you're faced with the prospect of not being around in another few months to a year, you, you've got you've to do something. You're, the will to live for yourself, for your family, it's, it's strong. And yeah. I, I realized through listening to Carnivore Cast that ancestrally, these are the foods that made us who we are today. And I had to add them back in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's incredible, James. And how did you start? Like, <laughs> what were the first steps you made? <laughs> and what, what did you feel? Yeah. Um, so knowing what your listeners now know about my being from Bermuda and my past sort of dietary choices, I, I I went the easy route for me because literally with my autoimmune issues at the time that I was having, I had this rare thing, which you can look up, it's called burning tongue syndrome, where your tongue literally feels like it's on fire because of autoimmunity. And wow. you can't, it's horrible. It's one of the worst. I, I had a number of things, but that had to be one of the worst because I couldn't taste anything. Um, I went for the easy stuff. I went back to fish first. We're surrounded by ocean here and it's easy for me to get really fresh fish. And I can tell you, I, re I recall that first day and it was easier mentally for me too, because it had been in my past dietary choices, most recent dietary past choices. And I, I struggled a bit at first. I'm not going to lie. I struggled a bit at first, as did my digestion, because probably, as you know, we lose the ability over time to break down a lot of the, with the enzymatic processes. Like when I'm eating plants, plants, plants all the time. Your stomach acid lowers as a vegan. You need to increase that stomach acid, get those digestive enzymes back. But by that, you know, that next day, I noticed my energy bouncing back a little bit. My brain fog starting to have a little glimmer of hope. And I thought, okay, I think I'm on the right track here. And I slowly began to add other foods in as my body would allow. And as my digestion would allow, I added them back in. That's, that's really incredible. And how, um, were you, how did you balance it? Like you, you want to control for being strict plant-based vegetarian for so long, you know, you obviously, like you're saying, your body needs time to build back up these enzymatic processes. How did you, like, did you still eat plant foods and how did you choose which plant foods to eat? Because obviously like now you're like, oh man, I don't want to put more of the, like the poisonous oxalates in my system. I know are harming me, but I can't eat too much meat all at once because I'm afraid it like my body might not be able to process it. Fantastic question. Um, as I mentioned, I really, I really have to give Sally so much credit in my journey and yourself and, and, and others, which we'll talk about, but yeah, you know, one other person I came across we can talk about a little bit later is uh, Dr. Sean Baker's uh, Rogan podcast, which was seminal so for so many people switching up their diet. But um, I I made a commitment that I was going to add back in the foods to start um, the animal-based foods, excuse me, and then I would continue to eat the low oxalate plant foods. So I used Sally as a resource. And all her low oxalate foods uh, and fruits that were low oxalate. So out went the kiwi fruit, out went the raspberries and blackberries. I substituted those with blueberries, 
um, and strawberries, which are lower oxalate. Um, in terms of my greens, I was taking out the kale and the spinach and having things like butter, lettuce, um, avocado. I went more ketogenic in my approach for sure. And that helped me for a while. Yeah, it's very intelligent. And um, I'm glad that you were able to latch on uh, to Sally and and her fantastic information on oxalates. Um, How did your health progress um, with this diet? And, you know, how did you get to uh, progressively more animal foods as well? Sure. Yeah, it, it definitely started to improve. I noted noted things like my hair that had been falling out, you know, coming back a little better. My nails that have been cracking. I remember looking as a vegan at the, the final stages, Scott, at my fingers and they were so cracked and they would bleed nonstop and they, the skin finally started to heal. What took and continues to take the longest because I need people to understand this is an ongoing journey. When you're talking about myself here that has literally bombed my digestive tract and body with plant foods and fiber and uh, high oxalate laden uh, plant foods for so many years, it can, the journey is a long one. And Sally will tell people that it's, it almost isn't until the ninth year of low oxalate, you really start to feel the, you know, the full, full benefits, albeit, you know, early on you can get them. So yeah, I, I, tread very lightly in the early stages, noticed the benefits, but it was still my digestion that was not exactly perfect. And, and how, um, how did your eating evolve with that, um, low oxalate approach? Yeah. I, as I mentioned to you, I started uh, researching because Sally, uh, you know, at the time was, um, going into the carnivore diet herself a little bit. She made some adjustments. I mean, she's back to adding some uh, low oxalate fruits and plants back in her diet, which we'll talk about later for myself. Um, But I ended up finding, as I mentioned, Dr. Baker and knowing what I knew about animal foods being the lowest source of oxalates that you can get um, and the healing of various autoimmune issues like Michaela Peterson and her journey, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson and countless others, yourself, uh, on the carnivore way of eating, I said, well, I'm just gonna, you know, really nail this down and, and look to go full carnivore, uh, for a while. And that I only recently started that it's about just over seven or eight months ago that I had gone full carnivore with eliminating the re- last of those, those vegetables. That's great. And how, how did that feel for you? How did that go? Um, being full carnivore? Scott, I can tell you my digestive tract had not functioned better since I went full carnivore for decades. Wow. And it it just was such a relief. The the brain fog lifted. I my energy came back. Um, you know, I was still stu- suffering with some fatigue on the keto with plants in there, but eliminating the vegetables for me was the biggest thing and I have not had a vegetable since in over 7 or 8 months. Um I continue to see improvements. I put weight back on. Um, you know, I'm back up to 100 and almost 70 pounds now, but it's wow, mostly, that's great. Yeah, mostly muscle, um, and I continue to want to put on weight. <laughs> I think we've we messed each other a few times on Instagram, and I was um, and thanks again for your assistance when I was really finding my way in the early stages of carnivore. So yeah, it's been going phenomenally. But there's been some nuances since then we can talk about. Yeah, and I, I want to pause for a minute to draw attention to an outside perspective how is your wife perceiving these changes and like you going basically from one end of the spectrum to the other? What did she think of all of it? Yeah. You know, she was noticing 
unbelievably how far I'd come in a relatively short period of time because that year or so of my severe illness and trying to figure out was so, as I said on a, on to someone else, was uh, drawn out like a blade from Shawshank Redemption. Um, it just it just seemed to go on and on, especially in, with the backdrop of COVID, right? When the whole world had shut down, it was even more depressing, losing my job and everything else. But the relative time for what it took for me to get over those symptoms using the carnivore way of eating was absolutely incredible. I couldn't believe how fast things actually healed once I added in all these other animal-based foods. That's amazing. And um, yeah, you, you mentioned some nuances now, like how what has changed um, in the last seven or eight months um, and how are you thinking about the diet going forward? Yeah. So many thanks to you again, Scott. I think we had a discussion um, on private message on Instagram once where I was struggling and like you, and from what I understand from your journey, one of the things I've tried to nail down in in mine is sleep. (laughs) Uh, Sleep has always eluded me ever since I was a child. My parents even told me that sleep was a struggle for me from a young baby. Yeah. Yeah. And um, your discussions on sleep and electrolytes over the over the term was a really pivotal for me. Um, I still was struggling with sleep. I was struggling a lot with the electrolyte issue and leg cramps throughout the night. I still do from time to time, but I've managed to balance those out. Um, and lastly, what, what I began to realize, and, and again, thank you, Sally, so much for everything that she does. She really has been instrumental and I credit her for so many things in my own journey as well, is that there's this thing called oxalate dumping. And when you go too low and you start eliminating all these plant foods all at once, your body goes, hallelujah, the, bo- the bombing stopped. We're going to release all these things all at once. And the only way you can, and let me tell you, they're no fun going in. They're even worse coming out. Yeah. Even worse. And, and I had all the signs and some of the signs your listeners should know are cloudy urine. Uh, you can see the grit in your stools, a, a heightened tartar on your, on your, behind your teeth, uh, grit in the eyes. Um, just again, your, your symptoms flare to the point where you think, you know, are, is this coming back? What happened? But actually, no, it's the oxalates coming out. Things like fibromyalgia, pain, arthritis, things like start coming back, dumping through the skin. Uh, these are all things that you can come to expect. So the trick is to not go so low as to cause a massive dump. You have to sort of add a couple of foods that are medium oxalate back in your diet to slow the process down or it can be extremely dangerous, in fact. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember Sally talking about that extensively. So, how are you? How are you adding those foods back in, and um, what seems to be working for you? Sure. So, I decided, and I don't think I ever will go back to eating any vegetables. They just don't do well for me, Scott. I don't, I don't intend to. But what I did add, add back, and thanks for your suggestions, were things like bananas. I think worked for you in the early days, yeah. and. Yeah. Bananas are a medium to low ox fruit. Um, they're a great source of potassium. So I was trying to combine everything in one bang that I was facing. And I think bananas were a good um, source of not only a little bit of carbohydrate for me, a, a, a good portion of potassium for the leg cramps, and also a good portion of oxalates to stop all those things. And they worked really well. And I also add in blueberries as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, both from the oxalate perspective, as well as a metabolic perspective, being someone who, um, I, I imagine you're like me, you know, you're a bit of more of like a warrior type, like kind of highly active, a little bit higher anxiety. Um, 
you're you're lean, you're you're tall, um, you're you live in a very tropical climate. Um, your body and your anthropology probably doesn't lend itself to being like zero carb all the time. Um, and you're also probably someone who tends to very easily like lose weight, um, as I do. Like I've a abysmal appetite <laughs> most of the time. And so I think um for those reasons. I think that little bit of fruit can also be helpful um, in some of those senses. And, and all these things kind of tie together in different ways. Um, and one of them is like higher stress, a little more anxiety, a little more jittery, a little worse sleep. Like all those things seem to be a recurring kind of phenotype, if you will. Um, and I'm definitely that. It sounds like maybe you are too. Scott, I feel like you're a brother from another mother, my friend. Uh, it is exactly how I am. Um, I've always been a hard gainer. I know you've mentioned you are. Um, even, even when I was packing on the weight and, and crew and everything, I was always a hard gainer. However, when it comes to losing weight, I will, to the dismay of so many others that are, are struggling to lose weight, I can lose it so quickly. Um, that's why I think everything dropped in addition to what was going on in my digestive tract so quickly on the vegan diet. Um, and yeah, it, it all sort of tied in. I think the whole journey to me where I am now, it was meant to happen the way it was that I was meant to come across yourself and Sally and figure out what the heck was going on. And it continues to this day. It's we're on an ongoing journey, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, James, you mentioned before you came on that, uh, like part of your goal in sharing, or I don't want to take the words out of your mouth. <laughs> you talked about part of your goal in sharing your story. Do you want to talk about that now a little bit? Yeah, I, I really need to get this message out there and you've done such a fantastic job already in paving the way uh, we truly are. And, and I'm standing on your shoulders, the shoulders of giants. And we all are from the, the physicians and doctors and people before us that have figured this thing out and in, in their own very dark health journey. But everything is so individualistic and nuanced as we've just talked about in my own journey. We need to experiment and I need to let people know that the dogma that was pervasive for me in the vegan way of eating, um, and even to a degree, it's crept in. I think, Scott, you can comment on this better than I can, even now more so in the carnivore way of eating. Yeah. It's, it's really challenging because we all need to be our N of one. We need to experiment with what works for us. Um, we see a lot of these influencers online that are doing everything quote unquote perfectly and how dare you add in supplements to your regime. Well, I can, here's another nuance for you. Because I was so malnourished from a vegan way of eating, I had to include supplements for me. I had to include betaine, HCL, digestive enzymes. And, and you know, your co-show yeah. sponsors, Optimal Carnivore, were instrumental for me because I, I needed to get the extra nourishment that I hadn't gotten for years. So it's it's really tough. Be your own N of one listen to people and try things out, figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And don't be so dogmatic that you're blinded and, and like me was fumbling around trying to figure out and trying to do everything perfectly. Yeah, that's a fantastic message. I agree with everything you said. And I think, um, also if you see other people doing that, encourage them and don't, don't discourage them. I think that's a big part of it too. A lot of people are, are very sensitive, um, and harbor a lot of feelings of, of shame or guilt, um, and wanting to be feel included and accepted. And so if you see them, you know, working through their own individual experiences and trying different things, like try to be supportive of that, um, not try to tell them why they're wrong. <laughs> uh, 100%. And it's one of the reasons um, I can share with you that I'm 
in the process of getting my certification of becoming a carnivore coach with Dr. Baker's program and Rivera Health. Uh, I want to be able to help others for sure. I know this is why I went through what I went through. And it wasn't just these little nuances that I went down deep rabbit holes on. I mean, I listened to countless, countless hours of, of, of physicians and other people that have been through similar experiences. So I have a lot of insights to offer and I hope I can because I don't want anyone ever to feel like I did fumbling around in the dark and scared for their life. And I know there's still a lot of people out there that do. Yeah, absolutely. And if if those people are listening to this, message me, message James. Um, we're here to help. And uh, yeah, want to want to make sure that people feel supported and and you're not alone, like you said. Yeah, I want to. I put a quote up on my Instagram page. Uh, and for God's sakes, whatever you do, if you're sitting on a nail, don't take an aspirin. Get off the flipping nail. And it's, it's <laughs> just to say, you know, don't keep. I was hammering with that, those smoothies every day. I thought this can't be wrong. The vegan diet has to be the way it is. And I was just hammering that nail in deeper and deeper. Yeah, I think that's that's part of uh, what we have to be thankful of our wives for too. <laughs> often hey. she's the one who tells me to get up off the nail. <laughs> Scott, I often get asked, you know, who, you know, I've already mentioned yourself and Sally, obviously, and then countless others. But again, I want to wish to thank my wife. She stuck through me through some very, very dark times. And, you know, one of the biggest benefits for me, but besides my physical healing has been the mental healing on the carnivore diet. I am far more calm. I am level-headed, uh, my, with the brain fog gone, I just, my disposition has come, come full circle now to where I was as a young boy eating those meats in boarding school. And my joy of life has come back. It's unbelievable to, to sense. And I wish, and I hope people can experience that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And it sounds like she's very lucky to have you and vice versa. Um, so I'm very happy for you, James. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story today. Um, I feel like we could we could talk for hours and uh, um, hopefully we will in the future. Um, but uh, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed learning more about you. Um, and I'll have a link to your Instagram account in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners? Oh, Scott, I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for having me today. Really thank you for your listeners for taking the time. If you've gotten to the end here with us and listening to it, um, thank you for following me. If you end up following me on Instagram, I, I plan to start a YouTube channel very soon. I'll make sure Scott gets the address for that. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing some Instagram lives and there is always hope. Never forget that. There is always hope. And as I mentioned before, if you just seek the knowledge, apply the knowledge, and just have an open mind. You can heal and it's out there for you. Just go and grab it. Yeah, it's a fantastic message. Thank you, James. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Carnivore Cast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review on iTunes. It really helps us out and share it with a friend. What questions would you like answered or who would you like to hear from in the carnivore research community? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CarnivoreCast or go to CarnivoreCast.com. You can also email me at info at CarnivoreCast.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it carnivore.